Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. College baseball fans, it's time for the D1 Baseball Podcast with Mike Rooney, Aaron Fitt, and Kendall Rogers. Let's win every podcast. Now, here's the pride of the Newtown Edgemont Little League, Coach Rooney. Hello and welcome to the 43 Minutes of Heaven we call the D1 Baseball Podcast. I am your host, Michael Patrick Rooney III. Tonight's episode brought to you by our good friends at S2 Cognition. S2 Cognition delivers a revolutionary approach to helping athletes understand how in-game decisions impact their performance from youth levels all the way to the pros. Uh, Thanks again to our good friends at S2 Cognition this evening. I am joined by the three musketeers of college baseball, the great Aaron Fitt, the great Jose, Joseph, J. Healy, and the mayor of East Texas, Kendall Rogers. Uh, gentlemen, how are we doing? Good to see you. Uh, Kendall strikes me more as a county sheriff of East Texas. Ooh, I like that. So if, if we're if we're the three musketeers, does that make you D'Artagnan? Is that how that works? Oh, wow. I, my, I, if I'm being honest, my command of the whole cast is bad. So <laughs> sure, yeah, I'll be D'Artagnan. Yeah. Uh, you uh, say that? College baseball um, link to that name is that Texas Southern a couple of years ago mm. had a guy on their roster named D'Artagnan Padron. I remember oh, that. Yeah. Good poll, Joseph. And they wear dark. I, I'm just going to say this out loud. Texas Southern wears dark pinstripes as kind of their road uni, which are phenomenal. Anyone wearing gray pinstripes, I want you to just stop, right? Stop what you're doing. Put them down and walk away. <laughs> gray pinstripes is bad. It's that, like... If you, if you did it this year, it's too late, but let's not do that next year. Just By the way, spe- speaking of jerseys, am I the only one who got duped by, on April Fool's Day by those Ohio jerseys look like prison uniforms? Oh, those are real things, though, right? Like, aren't they real? They didn't are make them real? up just for – they've had them in the past. Well, one of their players one of their players tweeted at me and said, trust me, we don't ever – or we've never worn those. So the maybe – The LSU prank was the best one. Did you guys see that one? Well, with, Dil- uh, with uh, Paul Skeens and center. Hitting yeah, that third. Was pretty good. Did you see that, Joe? I know I actually didn't. I didn't see that. No. So I saw LSU, the Ohio they, thing, but yeah, nothing. Yeah, LSU put a, a lineup card out for J- April 1st that had Skeens hitting third and playing center field. And if you follow the comments, there was people freaking out. What happened to Dylan Cruz? It was excellent. Speaking of, by the way, speaking of names, like Joe, by the way, on your contract for D1 Baseball, like the first thing on there is we you had to bring over that little name story that you did at BA. Where you had like the bet, like the it was like the hundred weirdest names in college baseball or something. That is a good. Yeah, that was was a great feature. Yeah, shout out to um, well, the emeritus of the names list, Itchy Burtz. 
Um, <laughs> no longer in college baseball, but shout out. To, he has like an emeritus position. He, he finally out. graduated after he finally graduated after his third PhD. Well. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Boys, I have an inane banter uh, topic I'd like to cover, just an oh, area boy. I'm curious about in your lives, and then we'll get to the uh, baseball. Here's my question. Currently, as we sit here right in this moment, how many unread text messages are on your phone? Oh, Jesus. Fitzy. <laughs> Fitzy. I know uh, you, you're using a BlackBerry still. Does BlackBerry have? Black, a BlackBerry. <laughs> Get out of here with that. Hey, yo. Uh, I've only got a couple. Uh, looks like two. Looks like two. Joe? Aaron's got like the little, uh, even older than BlackBerry, one of those old sidekicks, you know? It was like the first text messaging thing where it slid open. And, oh, the um, slider, yes. <laughs> Remember the trio? Oh, so great. Do yeah, not. I used to have a trio back in the day. It was like the first like palm uh device it was so crappy like it literally like oh. would reset like once a month oh it's i do so remember great. that actually i think i did i did have the i did have the the uh the early like um like between flip phones and smartphones like we had the androids that had like the, the slide down keyboard or the flip open keyboard oh, like yeah. I, I was a big physical yep. keyboard guy i was late adopter to like the the touch screens which is why i, I got into the android ecosystem and i'm and i'm, I'm still still rocking it i know yeah. you're Joe, a rebel, how many rebel unread do you signal. have buddy the Android ecosystem. That's a phrase. Um, yes. <laughs> I, zero, zero. One is, is I, I probably don't get nearly the, the text message volume that, that you folks do, but also I just can't, I'm not someone who deals with the, um, the unread message icon or like the little, any, any sort of icon on my reminders, on my email, all that stuff. I, I don't like having, you know, that number there. Now, if it, you know, <clears throat> you guys know as well as I do Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, we're getting, all kinds of emails from SIDs and all that kind of stuff. So that's a little bit of an exception to the rule. But generally speaking, I don't I don't like that stuff hanging out there. So I, I attend I'm, I'm your zero. church, Joe. It drives me crazy to have unread text messages. Uh, Kendall, out yourself. I'm no 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 don't don't answer Kendall. Let's Joe and Fitzy and I are going to guess. I'm guessing Kendall has seventy seven unread text messages. Fitzy, what do you say? Um, I'll, uh, Bob, I'll go seventy eight. <laughs> Wait, what did you? No, hold on. What did you say, Runes? I said 77. Joe? Joe? Okay, well, he – okay, so I we know that number is close because he reacted to it in such a way. Yes. So 78 yeah. is the number to hit. I'll go um, <laughs> 74. I, I'm going to I'm gonna say this. I, it, this is – okay. No, I'll wait. I'll wait for Kendall. What do you got, Kendall? 77. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> And is that, is that, is that an average day for you, Kendall? Or is that about, is that about where we normal. live? What's, what's funny is I'm like embarrassed to see like who I have missed text from. Oh. Like I texted two top five coaches last week. They responded to me. I did not respond back to them. Martha so herself. Sorry, sorry needs, guys. Martha needs a secretary of her own. Like, yes. you know, she, <laughs> she, she's overworked. She is overworked. I that will say amazing. during the summer, like, especially during Omaha when the coaching carousel gets fired up. I mean, it's probably 130. This guy can't handle having more than two tabs open at once. Like he can't handle having it like an, an, an exactly. email box. And yet he's got all these text messages. Yes. So you and I are like the opposite on different devices. Like Aaron like leaves every email in his inbox, but he has two unread or whatever, two unread messages. I literally cannot stand having more than like four unread messages in my inbox. And I my inbox has to be like literally 20 emails or it drives me nuts. But then I have 77 missed text messages, so that's I've just got, how I roll. I've got 78,369 unread messages in my Gmail, but you know what? It doesn't matter because it's just searchable. Anything I need, you just search for it. That's the, the beauty of Gmail. 
Dude, dude, are you making anything. that number up? Are you really? I am not. Really? Oh my god. 78,369. As Augie used to always tell me, I'm, inc- I'm inconsistently inconsistent. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That is great. 78,000. Who knew? That's re- that's just asinine. This why bother? Totally, that why dude, would I told time? Told, told, someone has given Aaron the ultimate scoop and it's just gotten lost in the inbox somewhere. Why, why would I waste time deleting a message? You just go to the previous day's messages and click on anything that's interesting. I mean, like, it's oh a waste gosh. of time. Like, that, gives like, me, that gives me I that gives me like a panic attack without even looking at it. Oh my god. Ta- don't give me don't get me started on your tabs in Omaha whenever okay. we're trying so, to do all American teams and he's got like 90 tabs. Like literally his tabs on the Chrome browser are like a tiny little like yeah. centimeter wide line because there's so many of them. Yeah, man, Fitzy, you'd be good at squeeze play because that you gotta have tabs open. You gotta be able to maneuver 32 tabs at once. It's it's uh but Fitzy, we're going to come back to this. We're going to play a game in a later podcast where the three of us, not you, are going to get – we're going to guess humans who have sent an email to you that has gone unread. That that, that's going to – I'm going to – yeah, we can get we can get really – So here's a question. Which college baseball coach do we think ha- would have the most unread and the guy that would be the most OCD about having none unread? Augie Garrido never read an email. I'm comfortable saying yeah. that. He didn't know how to turn on a computer. Mark Franklin, I think, turned on the computer for him. I'm, I'm pretty sure Mark Marquez probably falls under that umbrella as well. That Tim was, Corbin, was Tim Corbin has a completely cleaned out inbox, guaranteed. Yeah, for oh, sure. there's no doubt. Jay sure. Johnson is another guy that I'm pretty sure has answered every text message in his life. Mm-hmm. Yes, very anyway. interesting. Very good. All right, good. Well, that was fun. That was that was interesting. Seventy-seven. By Great the way, podcast this week, guys. Yeah, thank you. Hello, everybody. everybody. <laughs> That's true cognition. By the way, I'll cap it with this: our good friend Jake Mintz, who's a young man, by the way. Jake Mintz has over six hundred unread text messages. He is oh, an eccentric cat. The great Jake Mintz. Well, um, you know, he, he's a baseball. He's a baseball coach in his time at Harlem Little League, so he just doesn't have time to read them. Kidding me, Harlem Hellfighters, man! I'm on board. We're just winning travel tourneys left and right, getting the lead like you, out on bunts. Real quick before we move on, I feel like if you have that many unanswered text messages, I, I feel like you're kind of in one of two buckets. One is that you are so in demand, like like Kendall during coaching carousel season. You're so in demand that you just can't physically cannot get to all of them, right? Yeah. And maybe that's the case with Jake too. But the other bucket is just like devaluing like that your your kind of digital presence, which I think is a positive, by the way. It like just positive. kind of being present with like what's in front of you, your job, your family, in this case, coaching the Harlem Hellfighters, shout out. Um <laughs> and it feels like Jake is probably more in that second bucket, but I'd love to Correct. know because I really don't think there's a whole lot of options between those two i think those are the only two real reasons you end up with that many unread texts well the problem so real quick the problem you run into when you have that many text messages unread is like you know how many people like go back to their text and like thumb through like four pages of text so like i feel really bad during like coaching carousel season because i'll go text somebody that just texted me like four questions in a row like two weeks ago and i never responded then all of a sudden i'm like hey uh, is your assistant going to georgia and, you know, so I kind of feel bad, but like, you know, you just can't get to them all. No. All right, boys, let's get to college baseball. I have a question yeah. for you. Okay. So our rankings this week came out around April's first, April 1st, which is April Fool's Day. And the rankings, no offense, kind of look like an April Fool's type of deal in how 
there is no human alive that would have guessed these rankings four months ago. No one alive would have said, hey, Wake Forest is an easy, is a layup at number two. That, you know, South Carolina is a layup at number six. Maybe you should have them higher. No one would have said BC at nine, Kentucky at 10. No one would have said you might have Kentucky underranked at 10. So here's my question for the group. Open discussion. Which of those, you know, let's just focus on the top 10. Which of those is the most jarring to you? And you could pick one that I didn't mention. Uh, most jarring? Most I would say Boston, Boston College. I mean, yep. to be fit, picked at the bottom of the ACC, and rightfully so, right, based on what they had coming back um, and what they had accomplished last year, like BC being in the top 10 is incredible. And what's really interesting when you look at them, like whether, you know, offensively I think they've got enough. But, like, if you look at them on the mound, it's not like they're some team loaded with – you know, high profile arms, you know, they're not, they're not loaded with huge arms and yet they just continue to win. I mean, they have not lost a series or they, like, they have not had a losing weekend all year mm-hmm. as a Northern school who's already behind the eight ball when the season starts. So for me, that's the most impressive. Yeah. I think I mean that that is the, the right answer, I think, but shout out to Kentucky being in this conversation yeah. just because I think if no other reason, even if you believed in the most optimistic projection of what they could be, just given the amount of turnover they had, the amount of portal guys they brought in, I think even if you had an optimistic projection, I think you might have thought, okay, well, they might start slow, but maybe by April or May when they gel, they'll come together and maybe they'll – kind of like last year, right, where they made that run in Hoover and they came together and it was just a little too late. I thought maybe that was going to be the case again, but they've started really, really quick, obviously. That team's really come together. So that I feel like BC is probably the answer, but, but Kentucky's right there. Yeah, I mean, they, they were – I think Kentucky was picked to finish 13th out of 14 in the SEC by yeah. just about everybody, you know, either either 13th or 14th by just about everybody, including the coaches. So, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Like, it was a team that was totally unknown, um, ton, ton of turnover. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think BC and Kentucky, but I would probably have to pick one. I'd say BC is maybe the bigger surprise uh, just because I just didn't believe in their pitching. They were so bad on the mound last year. They were so bad on defense last year. And they've been so much better in both those areas this year. It's shocking. Uh, Wake Forest is not a surprise. I mean, it's preseason top, you know, six team. I mean, they were, you know, and, and even if you thought like Kendall that that ranking was was too ambitious. Um, I mean, shoot, last year they were, you know, I think they finished top five in the RPI last year. You know, I mean, like they were two seed regional who who maybe should have had more of a case to host than they than they really got, considering they were like I think I think they finished regular season like second or third in the RPI. They were way up there. You know, it's not like they yeah. came out of nowhere. They, they, this is this team was they had a ton back from a team that was already very successful last year. Yeah, and, I, and I'll throw I'll go ahead, Runes. Yeah, I was going to say on Wake, the thing that you you everything I can't dispute anything you just said, Fitzy, but I would say this about Wake: they've been very volatile over the last six years. They've had high highs and low lows, and they're the opposite of volatile right now. Like Wake is the set it and forget it team at number two. Like we're we're not even thinking about Wake at number two. It's just like it's a yawn. And that's the thing that's, you know, like each week I'm more convinced about Wake. I, I, man, it's just, they're so complete. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're so good. They check every single box. So anyway, that's, that's my thought. I'm just like the, the set it and forget it part of Wake is shocking to me. That part, yeah. I, I, I think you're right on. Like the, the thing that is, you know, somebody asked in the chat today, is, is Wake Forest the most complete team in college baseball? And I was like, you know what? They might be because you think about everybody else, like, 
there's some issues about, you know, Florida and the bullpen or whatever, the, the, the rotation or what, you know, LSU Sunday starter spot, whatever. There's no question mark right now with Wake Forest. There's nothing. Like we were worrying about their defense. They had the one bad week, they had one hiccup week on defense where they made a bunch of errors. Other than that, I mean, they're still feeling like 979 or something. Like they've been, they've been good. I mean, like that was the only thing that maybe we were worried about. They lose Teddy McGraw. No big deal. We got Sullivan. We got Hartle. And louder. I mean, bullpen's still good. Like they hit, they have power, they have speed. I mean, they do everything. So yes, I, I think they're the most complete team out there. As wild as that is, and I agree that part is, um, it's, it's it feels weird because that's just traditionally not. You know, they haven't been that elite program. Yep. Yeah, and I and I'll say this too. I'll throw I'll I'll talk about Kentucky real quick, but also throw South Carolina in this bucket too because, you know, I think it says a lot about Nick Mingione and Mark Kingston that in, that in a season where. If both of those coaches or either of those coaches struggle, like, I mean, let's be honest, they're probably gone. And mm-hmm. I think that when you have that kind of pressure, it can be difficult, you know, it, you know, to start the season. There's a lot of pressure as a coach. I feel like you have a tendency to, you know, if something goes bad in a game, like I feel like you have a tendency to be a little bit panicky. But give those two guys a lot of credit for having their teams ready and for getting off to the starts that they've, they've gotten off to here in the you know first half of the season. But South Carolina, for me, guys, uh, when you look at the, the fact they're 26-3, and three, this is a program that, that won a couple of national championships, and yet this year is their best start in SEC history. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, that's pretty impressive. And the, the other thing I really like about this team is they came back in the series opener against Missouri. Joe was there. They came back in the series opener against Missouri when they were down. Uh, at Mississippi State last weekend, they got blown out in the second game. You know what? And you're kind of thinking, like, oh, okay, like, we'll see how South Carolina handles this. Well, what happens? They come back on in the series finale. They win fourteen to five. All of those different, those all those different little things right there tell me how different of a team this is than last year and the year before. That's club. Yep, I would say this on South Carolina and Kentucky. If if I gave each of us that men in black black wand and we were devoid of the last five or six years of history, like we didn't know it, and I just explained to us how the South Carolina and Kentucky teams are built. Hey, they can really pitch. They've got pitching depth. They've got older position players that have different styles, but they play good catch and they know who they are offensively. You know, I think all of us would be like, "Oh, heck yeah!" I'm count. You know, mark me down for that. Like, I'll get me as much of that as you can. But yeah. you know, like I'll speak for myself. I am a little tainted by you know these these players haven't been in a super regional you know in a while. Those types of things, blah blah blah. But man, I I guess what I'm trying to say about Kentucky and South Carolina is. I really like the way they're built. I mean, I think yeah. these teams are built for the long term, personally. Yeah, yeah. And here's one thing about South Carolina: look at their next three weekends, fellas. LSU, Vandy, and Florida. I mean, that's unbelievable. Yeah. But I'm trying to think back: like, is the LSU series for South Carolina that that's got to be the most anticipated series since the Ray Tanner era, right? I mean, am I missing a series? Some like, am I missing a year? It's pretty good. I mean, it's, it's I mean, got to be in the conversation. I mean, there yeah. was a. And I, I only say this because I was there, so it's a little bit of, of bias in that regard. But the 2021 Arkansas team that was so, so good yeah. went to Columbia like in mid-April back then, and South Carolina was fringe top 10, I want to yep, say. Yeah. So that would be the only one I can think of that's in the I, – I mean, your point stands, though. Like, it's this is on a different level. I, I was there, too, and that was one of my favorite – favorite recent moments was the South Carolina fans chanting Oompa Loompa at Robert Moore. Yeah. And, and then, Bob Moore went off on it. Right? He did a bomb right in their smug faces. It was awesome. <laughs> it 
is awesome. Man, oh, he threw his watered down drink. Right there, <laughs> it, it, it reminded me of that. I was watching Wake Forest at Clemson this past week, and they started chanting, uh, or somebody yelled some some derogatory short guy term at Tommy Hawk. And what do you think he did? Like the next pitch, he's like, "I'm gonna rip a double," oh, yeah. you know, yes. just like right in your right in your grill. Let's go. Speaking it. of short people getting picked on, were you allowed to get near the field to take pictures, or were you ushered no, we're out? Not, we're not gonna. We're not gonna. We're not gonna re relitigate that one. Oh. <laughs> Boys, that one. I have an LSU question for you. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna overthink something for a second. I want you guys to coach me through this. LSU is I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna nitpick them and say this I think they're and and by the way Jay Johnson overthinks it better than any of us so like he he's he's thought of this that I'm not I'm not breaking news for Jay Johnson I'm worried I'll use the word worried I'm worried that LSU is built for blowouts and that this could be a problem at the end of the year when games aren't blowouts here's what I mean by that where they're strong they're so overwhelmingly strong they can just bludgeon opponents to death. But we are talking about a team whose Sunday starter in week six or week seven, whatever we're in, didn't get an out. I mean, that you heard did not record an out on, on Sunday or Saturday, whatever it is. Their bullpen is a bunch of rotating freshmen. You know, like, I, I mean, their bullpen is still uh, an area of concern. And they're, when the days when they play Trey Morgan in left field, that infield defense is really interesting. I mean, you've got Jared Jones, who's like a, you know, a, an offensive tackle at first base. You've got an outfielder at second base. You've got a guy with a really checkered defensive pass at shortstop. And you've got a DH at third base. And, and I think Tommy Tanks is fine at third base, but you're certainly not getting any range. And what if you run into a team that can pressure you with the inside game? Can you play that defense against a team that can pressure you with the inside game? I don't know the answer to that, and Jay Johnson's really, really smart. But tell me, tell me, I'm overthinking this. Let, let me ask you this, Runes. Do you know where LSU ranks in the country in fielding percentage? Extremely high, right? They're like 980, something like that. So where do you think they rank? Is that top 30? Gavin, like is that. Gavin Dugas still uh, errorless? Anyone else have a guess on this one, Joseph? I'm going to go 22. Yeah, 26. Numero uno, friends. Really? 986. 986. Uh, there. How are they fielding 986? How? Yeah. That's quite a change in fortune. <laughs> now, I will say this about I will say this about Jordan Thompson. He's been very streakly good and bad defensively. Like he had a, he had a stretch last year. We had 17 straight games without an error. So when he's good, he's really good. Now he had his moments this weekend. And, you know, when we were in round rock, we saw them, you know, I can't remember if it was Iowa, or Kansas state, it was Iowa who, you know, Hey, by the way, it's a true freshman catching too. I don't know that they've played anybody that's really pressured them that way. Here's the other, here's the other advantage. And this is where Jay's really smart. They, they don't, they don't run into a lot of bats either. Like it is a ton of swing and miss on that pitching staff. Yeah. So I don't know. I, it just makes me maybe I'm just being old fashioned, but it makes me really nervous that that's your infield defense headed into the postseason. I will say this: Gavin Dugas, by the way, is still does not have an error. We'll that's find out. Infielder. That's pretty damn good. Kentucky I mean, will be a stress test for LSU when when Kentucky plays LSU because Kentucky wants to play that way. Um, you know, they want to bunt and run and and 
you know, just kind of create some chaos in the bases. And so that'll, that'll be a test there for LSU. Now, the, the thing is like, I, I kind of agree with you generally speaking, but it's just so tough because the, the thing about it is the teams that tend to want to push the issue that way also tend to be the teams that don't really play well from behind. And LSU is a team of course that you just can't play from behind against. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it kind of does like play into their hand a little bit, but, but we'll see. Yeah. And, and here's the other, here's the other card Jay Johnson can play. He can just take Trey Morgan from left field and put him at first base and you take an average infield and it just, you just kicked it up three notches, right? Like yeah. that dude's so good at first base makes everybody better. And, so. and Wake Forest got that too with Nick Kurtz. Like I, I do think that's such an underrated thing is having yeah. like an elite, elite defender at first base. I, I saw it just last week at Clemson, like Kurtz saved at least two ball, two errors, you know, it was like a, two really tough scoops, man. And it just, it makes everybody play up. There's no question. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to go back afterward. We're done here and look this up, but I, I just feel like LSU has not played under a ton of stress this year. Like this series this weekend was was supposed to be that, and it kind of was, but like Tennessee didn't play great in moments, and then Tennessee just bludgeoned them in the third game. So I don't know. It just didn't feel like there was that much tension this weekend, unless I totally whiffed on that. Um, I, again, I'm totally nitpicking. They're so good, right? Like well, yeah, and you, and you have to nitpick for a team that. I mean, here's the thing: is like they we mentioned they lead the country in fielding percentage. They also, of course, lead lead the country in on base percentage, uh, second in scoring, first in batting, uh, ERA is 15th. I mean, like, they're just a lead in so many different ways. And yet, you know, it's fair to say, all right, like, they haven't swept anybody yet in conference. Now, you know, Tennessee, Arkansas, okay, we're talking about two elite teams and then at A&M. So, like, I'm not reading into that, the fact that they haven't had a sweep yet. I think college baseball is about winning your weekends two out of three that's fine against mm-hmm. pretty good teams and when they play lesser teams in the league um I, I would like to see them sweep some of those but um you know i know like there's some questions in the chat today from lsu fans oh like, should we be worried about the fact that we're not sweeping anybody or this or that like we're nitpicking i mean that's mm-hmm. it like this team is elite yeah so good i mean dylan cruz just a joke paul Skeen's just a joke i mean they're you know like we said last week you know like they're tracking now the first and second pick of the draft it's just it's nuts and one's a hitter and one's a pitcher it's just yeah do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. 
If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular's single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. If you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams. Now celebrating 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams is the originator of everyone's favorite Lux home blanket. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort, as its ultra soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are each made with premium materials. Get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code PODCAST15. I w- well, I will say this though, like I am, I am actually firmly convinced at this point that the difference between like Wake and LSU is not much. Like I think it's a, I think it's a minimal difference when you look yeah. at how well Wake has played overall. Like I mean, maybe it proves that maybe that proves untrue as we as the season kind of progresses. But like I think the gap between those two teams is a lot smaller than people might think. I think that's a a great. I think it's a great point, Kendall. And I think, you know, and I love the fact that you're the one who said it, but I think you're right. Like they, yeah. the fact that they've been winning games, like they've been winning clean, clean, low scoring games, right? Like yeah. we know they can, we know they can mash. They got a ton of firepower in the lineup, but like last two weeks, I mean, Miami, they beat four to one twice, you know, they beat Clemson four to three, six to five. I mean, like, it's not like we have to get into those sloppy 14 to eight games, you know, like sometimes it almost feels like you see LSU do um, now. LSU also, again, like they're 15th in the country in ERA. Like they're pretty good at run prevention. <laughs> uh, but like it, it, it does feel like Wake really has the ability to win those little like tight, you know, low scoring affairs at, at a surprisingly efficient rate. Yeah, I mean, think about those two teams playing in the CWS finals. You don't have to like dream this deep dream to pick Wake over LSU. Like it would feel uncomfortable to pick Wake, but like, I don't know, Hartle versus TBA. You know, yeah, I mean, uh, Cam Manasi versus I don't know who's the closer of the week. You know, it's that stuff gets interesting. Well, I mean, think about it this way, too. I mean, I think revisionist history on the CWS finals last year was that, well, Arkansas and Ole Miss was really the CWS final because either of those teams was beaten Oklahoma. And I think that's very well true. But that first game in the CWS finals was tighter than a drum Mm -hmm. and changed on a razor's edge. And then Kate Horton almost willed Oklahoma to a winning game too. Either of those games could have easily flipped and, and, you know, Oklahoma could have either gotten to a third game or won the whole dang thing. And, and we all kind of believed that at that point of the season, Ole Miss was markedly better than Oklahoma at that stage of the game. And yet those results were both really, really close. So it, once you get into postseason baseball, you know, I don't need to tell you guys this. It's just, you know, you're a few innings away from disaster essentially at all times. Yeah. You know, you know, what's interesting. We were talking about like offenses that, you know, score a lot of runs and kind of get in sloppy games. I mean, what, one series that kind of stood out to me over the weekend, guys, was Stanford at OU. Stanford scored 39 runs in two of the games and then you then only scored eight runs in the other two Ooh. games. What yeah. a bizarre weekend for the for the Cardinal. Yeah, they're a load, strange just team. load management. <laughs> I will say that's a weird again, these these leagues with uneven week, you know, teams and like it's just a disaster playing a non-conference team right in the middle of your conference season. It's just such a I don't know. I'm making excuses for Stanford, but it's man, it's not great. 
I'm also not entirely sure Stanford logistically because they always take a weekend off for finals. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really entirely sure how they're taking that weekend off and also played Oklahoma in the middle of their conference season. I mean, obviously they figured it out. Like I know that I know that they're not going to get to the end of the season and be like, well, crap, we're missing a conference series, but it just strikes me as weird. That's all. That was a weird series. Well, then they play like Cal, they play like Cal this weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Then they play a Monday, Tuesday series at home against Texas Tech. Like, oh, wow. That makes no sense at all. Are they hosting Tech or Tech is? Yeah, uh... the Texas Tech's going to Palo Alto. Seriously, I feel like t- I don't. I, I my guess is that Tim Tadlock doesn't drink, but I'm like his schedules are like somebody. Thank you, Rouge. Takes him to Vegas and like blindfolds <laughs> him and makes him do seven shots of whiskey and then all right, Tads, go make your schedule. Like it is so. They went to Iowa last year. Like what? Texas Tech. Like, who doesn't in, like, love our city, Rouge? Yeah, what? <laughs> who doesn't love our city in, in February? Yeah, that's right. And now we're playing Stanford <laughs> on a Monday. God bless Sorry, that him. wasn't my best Tim Tadlock, but I have a pretty good one when I'm rolling. Yeah. I like it. Well, let's we'll, we'll 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 revisit that. But is but I will say this about Tads, man. It is anybody, anywhere, anytime. Like literally anybody, anywhere, anytime. Yeah, and, and you know when you're when you're so geographically isolated, you you have to think yeah. that way. I think, and they've done such a great job of it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. If they now, don't, they're going to end up playing like twelve games a year against New Mexico and New Mexico State. Yeah. That's kind of the reality so, of where they're at. Spe- speaking yeah. of of impersonations, we used to always make impersonations on Mike Martin. Uh, Florida State fans might be dreaming of the Mike Martin era right now. How about how about the the struggles they've had, guys? Man, I, I had that game. I had the Sunday game, and Miami just drilled them again. And I would say I came, I came away impressed with Miami. <laughs> I really like Miami's team. Now, I Alejandro Rosario had his best career start, literally his thirtieth start, his best career start. <laughs> I still would be very nervous about him as my Sunday starter in the postseason. It was, you know, Linus Baker was the home plate ump. It's a very generous zone, consistent. I love Linus Baker; he's one of my favorite umpires. But it's a it's a generous zone. It's a pitcher zone. And, um, you know, and, and Florida State is just – they haven't given up. They're still fighting. But, you know, they had four freshmen, true freshmen in the starting lineup. The first two pitchers, true freshmen. I, I don't care who Link Jarrett is as a coach. That's not working. That's, that does not work in 2023 college baseball. Um, so, you know, Clemson's kind of feeling the same growing pains. And I don't know, the rebuild of these historic brands. And then you look at Stanky out at USC, and it's like, oh, hey, man, we just hire this great coaching staff, and we're back. So I don't know. Can we play – I would love to play a game of buy or sell here with some of these upstart teams. I want want to put everyone on the spot here um, and and start with USC because that's a good one to bring up. Is USC – do they have staying power? Are they Just for 2023, right? Are they a regional team in 2023? Buy or sell, Coach Rooney. Sell. Coach Sell. Healy. Oh, sorry. No, it's fine. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Kendall, because I'm doing research while you. <laughs> Good. Uh, I would say, I would say, I would say sell because other than, you know, guys like Austin Overn and guys like that, like, I think if you break down USC, there's not really anything about them that you go, wow, that's really impressive. And I just feel like teams like that, like I just don't – long-term, I just don't think it's going to work out. But we'll see. They're I mean, the, the Pac-12 so is right very – Yeah, they are. And the Pac-12 is just so volatile. I mean, Arizona State's playing much better right now. 13 uh, of 15. Know. I didn't even yeah. realize it was that crazy. Yeah. <laughs> the shoes so, won 13 of 15. Oregon State, you think – you know, Oregon State's down the mat. And what do they do? They go on the road and take a series in Washington. 
Um, you know, so yeah, predicting the Pac-12 right now is very difficult. Wazoo. Wazoo took a series from UCLA over the weekend in Pullman. UCLA, by the way, suddenly looking a little little sketchy, but they're they're banged up. Yep. To be Fitzy, fair to UCLA, Joe, they had you to, go uh, with? to be fair to UCLA, they had to melt ice off of players to get them unstuck from the bench. <laughs> <laughs> so it I was mean, literally it's... snowing in the ninth inning. Like if you look yeah. at the video, it is snowing yeah. in the ninth inning of that game. So it... I am regretfully selling. Yeah, now be, the trouble is board. their RPI is 88. Mm. And Ooh. again, it's too early to over fixate on RPI, but that's a lot of ground to make up. It's not too um, early. If it's 88, it's not too early. Well, I mean, that's the thing. It's too, it's too early to like, look at it as the beat, like, yeah. but it's not too early to start to understand like big, broad themes. And 88 is just a lot of ground to make. I mean, they've got to go 50 spots essentially. And, and Especially as a West they, Coast team. And, as, and the fact that they're nine and three in the pack and they're still sitting there um, it is kind of troublesome. I will, I will, what I will buy is actually not good for the Pac-12, and that's that I will buy that they are competent enough that they're going to continue to win games at a pretty high rate. I wouldn't be shocked to see them finish above five hundred. I mean, heck, they're nine and three already, so they're basically you know most of the way there. And I don't think that's necessarily a great thing for the pack as a whole. Now down the road, a competent USC is a great thing for the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. Well, until they go to the Big Ten, I guess. But um, it's a good thing for the West Coast. I'll say that. But, you know, this year, though, that I think that might be more trouble because it, I think there's a future where the Pac-12 ends up getting squeezed on some bids because teams like USC and maybe Arizona State play pretty well, but not well enough to actually be postseason teams, just well enough to, you know, ruin everyone else's time to some degree. So I am buying them as a little bit of a, thorn in the side but i'm selling as a postseason team on their own i so you make a a great argument and again it's wild to me that they're 89th in the rpi when like you said not only are they nine and three of the pac-12 uh that includes a series win against stanford um they have a road series that they played at auburn they didn't win it but you know that's usually a a good thing for the rpi you go on the road and play an sec team coming off an omaha trip um guys, I'm going to go on my rant again. Like this is one of those situations where the freaking, the RPI is just, you, you know, you, you play one weekend against Marist, a team, by the way, that like is traditionally, a, you know, solid enough program in that league. Like they went 29 and 17 last year. I mean, 17 and six in their league. You schedule Marist. You're not trying to just like, you know, schedule a bottom tier team, but Marist is three and 22. Mm. And those three games are just decimating USC in the RPI. And it's not an accurate reflection of the season that they've had, but it's going to doom them. And I am angry about that. I really want the committee uh, to, or the, the, to, to change the formula so that we get some kind of a grace period for these kinds of situations. I've talked about this every freaking year. It drives me nuts uh, because <laughs> like, we should be looking more at the top and the middle ends of your resumes rather than a few games at the bottom that just totally torpedo you. I mean, a, a, a gimme's a gimme guys. Like mm-hmm. you, you beat, you beat the n- number of team. You beat the number two fifty team. There's not that big of a difference. And we shouldn't let the fact that one program is having a miserable year and you played them three times uh, have a disproportionate impact on who can be a regional team. Anyway, I, I wanted to, to buy USC because I, I, I like where they are, but like you look at the RPI and you're right. Like it's, it sucks. I'm going to have to sell. It's going to get worse too, boys, because they they've got that a loss to UC Riverside on the on the docket, yeah. 
Sacramento State's 179, Tulane's 201, Cal Poly is a win at 157. They've got Seattle U coming up at 215. Mm. To, to your point, Joe, like they're going to be a fascinating study for the committee because what, okay, for them to finish 16 and 14 in the league, they've got to go 7 and 11 from here. Very doable for as well as they're playing. And then the committee's going to be looking at a 16 and 14 Pac 12 team with like a 60 RPI. I mean, 60, they probably get in, but 65. Hey. Here's, I mean, here's a, uh, and, and while I would recommend everyone goes to d1baseball.com and looks at the RPI there, um, our good friend Roy, Warren Nolan does the um, prediction tool. Basically, it, it sims out the season and predicts, and it's not perfect. Let me be very clear about this, but it is instructive from this standpoint. So right now it predicts USC based on results to go 19 and 11 in the pack. Now I'll take the under <laughs> on that number. For sure. But if they go 19 and 11 in the pack, that would be an RPI of 33. So that would be good enough, obviously, but that's probably three to four games aggressive, I would say, at least. And so we can knock that down to basically what it says is if if, if they get to that 16, 17 win margin in conference play, they're going to be right. feels like right on the cut line. So yep. anything less than that, and it's, it's troublesome. Interesting. Fitzy, can I uh, move off of your uh, buy sell? Yeah, I, I got something in the same genre. So when I was thinking about the Big 12 and what I wanted to have us discuss there, here, here's where I landed. You can make a postseason wager on one Big 12 team, only one. Who are you betting on? Fitzy, I think I know your answer. Yeah, but go Oklahoma ahead. State. Oklahoma State, piece of cake. Kendall? Uh, Oklahoma State. I like where they stand right now. And Joseph? Uh, fine. I'll take Texas tech. Um, (laughs) just to be not, well, not totally just to be a little bit different. It's just that I, I have a pretty good level of optimism that they'll find their way back up to the top of the standings. They always do. I like the chances that if they finish in the top couple in the big 12, they could be in place to host. And if you host in Lubbock, you win the regional. That's just kind of a universal truth, except for that one weird year when Sam Houston came through the losers bracket to win the regional there, which the longer time goes, the more that seems like a weird little blip in history. But um, so, yeah, Texas Tech. I, I mean, it's it's the program that never bottoms out, right? They're not looking great right now, got to admit. But they never bottom out. They're going to be right there. And if you're telling me they're going to be in position, they tend to at least meet expectations, if not exceed them, for what we think they'll do in the postseason. Yeah. Fitzy and Kendall, is Texas Tech your second choice? It felt like you didn't have a second choice. Like, it was easy, Oklahoma State. Uh, Oklahoma State was clearly my first choice. I'll say this, like I'm starting to like what I'm seeing out of Texas. I mean, I'll, I'll say this about the mm-hmm. Horns. They they know who they are. Like they know what their identity is. They're executing the they're executing the little things offensively well. Um, you, you know, Zane Morehouse has kind of been a mixed bag out of the bullpen, but they're starting to kind of settle into some roles on the mound. And you know, they could have very easily won all three games against Oklahoma State over the weekend. Like that, that was a dogfight till the very end. Uh, Oklahoma State walked them off uh, to win the final game from, you know, Nolan Schubert's uh, hit. So, uh, t- you know, Texas is, is trending upward for me. Like David Pierce has done a great job. That's a club that kind of like a couple of years ago, like they looked awful at Globe Life. They looked like they were playing against big league teams as like a decent Division One team. And now they figured themselves out. But yeah, Oklahoma State for me is – is by far the top team. I think they they figured things out on the mound. I think we all love their offense. Obviously, Nolan McLean being out is troublesome for me. Do we have an update on that? Anybody heard anything? So I was told today that it's not season-ending, but he could be out a few weeks. 
So that's troublesome. It looks awful. If he's, if he's out for a few weeks, then that makes me think like, you know, that it's kind of like, it's kind of like we've heard for a while that Hunter Elliott will be back at some point until he actually takes the mound. I'm not believing that he's coming back. Yep. And it's his knee too. I, I watched that. You know, here's my thing on Oklahoma State. They're the they're like the person I'm afraid to fall in love with. You know, like I just feel like they've broken my heart so many times. But like Rock Riggio, you know, just watching him at, in in that big game three, like he is such a dude. Like he is a baller. Like he's he's that player that like emerges and says, "Look, boys, we're not losing today. So just whatever whatever's in your brain, go ahead and empty it out. We're winning today." And that this this conversation's over. Like every championship team has a dude like that, and he yeah, is that the, guy yeah. for me. Yeah, in the second game, Riggio had like a nine pitch at bat or something in the in the you know the ninth inning to get get a runner on base, and you know they won that game. So yeah, I mean he he had a couple of great at bats that I saw in that series. Yep. All right, boys, let's do this before we uh, we come down the home stretch. We have another partnership, which we're super excited about. That's Blast Baseball. Hitters, if you're ready to dominate at the plate, Blast Baseball is trusted by more MLB and college teams than any other hitting solution. The Blast sensor attaches to the knob of any bat, providing real-time feedback with every swing. We also attach it to Kendall's phone to monitor text messages that are not being read. Go to BlastMotion.com, enter the code D1Baseball at checkout. You'll save $10. Uh, Blast Baseball, really good stuff right there. All right, boys, you ready for the final game of the night? Uh-oh. So, no, this is good. So, Northeastern is top of mind for me. Coach mm-hmm. Farron and I got to speak to Mike Glavin today, and he's just the best. Like, he's just – they're so on point. Like, Northeastern – and we, I, I just feel like i got to stop with, uh, oh, it's only Northeastern stuff. Like, they're, the, they've kind of become the marquee team in the Colonial, and I know that there's other really good teams in that league, but they've won it three times. I mean, it's not like there's some flash in the pan. That's what I'm trying to say. They're not a flash in the pan anymore. And they've figured out this grad transfer thing that Connecticut and BC have going, and it's working. Like, they're old, and they're good, and they've got identity, and blah, blah, blah. Here's what I'm getting at. Over the last five years, in Omaha, 40 teams, only two of them have been from non-Power 4 conferences. So Fullerton in 2017 and Michigan in 2019. Every other Omaha team has been Big 12, Pac-12, ACC, SEC, two out of two. And, and, you know, I'm thinking about this because of the college basketball thing where just the final four is jarring the teams that are there. And how so, many in the last year? How many years? Last five years, which is 40 I Omaha UCSB, teams. I thought USB 16. So if I, oh. if, so I kind of gamed it a little bit. If I go back to 2016, you add two, right? Because 2016 was UCSB and Coastal. Gotcha. So, and then you go to 2015, you get to throw Fullerton in there. Yeah. Um, 2014, you get to throw Irvine in there. But we're just on this cold stretch of the last five years. So, all right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to set the over-under at 0. 0.5. non-Power 4 teams in Omaha this year. You want the over? It's a tough line to set. I'm pretty good at setting lines if I do say so my damn self. This is a tough one. But let's go 0. 0.5. I want to encourage I want to encourage the action here. Fitzy, you, you, what are you feeling here? Uh, I'm going to take the over because the fighting camels of Campbell are going to Omaha this year. Yes, roll humps. They're going to roll right into Omaha. Uh, are they hosting Fitzy? Uh, I think they probably are. Yeah, I think they're uh, 
Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, the 14th in the RPI right now as we sit, uh, I'm still a little nervous about how that's going to play out as the season unfolds yeah. in, in, in the Big South. But, uh, I mean, you got to like what they've done, you know, in the non-conference. I mean, they've beaten East Carolina twice. Um, you know, they, they went to Louisiana and, and won a series on the road there. Rutgers, you know, who I know is – been kind of up and down this year but that's a you know nice series to schedule and win i mean i think like they've kind of done what they needed to do and and they've got they've got talent and you know what maybe they go on the road and, and win a regional super but either way they're going to be there this year yeah i like that yeah it, it's uh i think they could run the table in the big south I know, i'm disrespecting the yeah. big south when i say that but they just seem so good man they're good uh coach healy do you have a you, you have a wager to place here Sadly, I'll take the under. Um, I would love to see it. Anyone who knows anyone, I mean, anyone who is my history of, of enjoying college baseball and, and involvement there knows that I, I stump for the, the little guy. And I, I hate using that term just because we're talking about really good programs here, but I just think the, especially this year where there, it feels like every team we talk about it, we, we talk about uh, they can really swing it. I really like the way they swing it, but uh, you know, the, there are some questions on the mound. And maybe Campbell's the elixir of that because they have power conference arms and not just Cade Keeler. Um, so maybe they are a little bit of the elixir to that. But I, it just feels like the gulf has gotten really, really wide in terms of depth on the mound, and that's where you see it, right? I mean, you could go year by year, and because I'm a sicko, I've kind of done this. You can go year by year on the NCAA tournament bracket and look at regionals and just about every year there's some mid-major program that goes two and zero in regionals and just kind of falls apart the next two days. And that's pitching depth. And I, it's just so hard. If, and now if we go to the runes plan of 32 hosts, and we play two out of three every weekend. Now we're cooking. Um, but you, you play regionals the way we do. It's just so hard. The thing team I think of last year is Texas state. When it oh. came right down to it, they had like four pitchers and they just couldn't hold on. You know, it just kind of like they were holding onto the edge of the cliff with their fingertips and they just slipped off, you know. And so anyway, lo- that's a long winded answer, but I- I'm going to go under, unfortunately, but I- I'd love to see it. Yeah. UConn last year, too. It's like they could taste Omaha, for God's sakes. Thank, thank you for leading me in. I'm going to go over. Yes. Oh, and I'm going to go with you. I'm going to go with UConn. Uh, the thing about that's really interesting about UConn is if you look at their team last year, they got those super. Uh, they got to the game three against Stanford. And this is a team that lost, like, two of their top relievers. They lost Pat Gallagher. They lost Austin Peterson on the mound. You're thinking, like, oh, man, their pitching is a huge question mark. Well, all of a sudden, reigning assistant at Coach of the Year, you know, you know, uh, Josh McDonald has the 37th best ERA in college baseball right now. As a team that lost, like, their two top relievers and their two best starters. Like, and they've already got, it, you know, several pieces back from an offensive standpoint. So – I'm really impressed with them. I mean, they like it's just like clockwork. They're pitching every single season, and so I keep an eye on them. I think they're battle tested. They they taste they they tasted it. They know how close they were, and I think they're going to be a very tough out for someone in the postseason. We, we mm. talk about we talk about Tennessee with the with the team after the team thing. Um, maybe UConn's a team after the team. You know, they were on the like, like you said, they're on the brink of of getting busting down that door getting to Omaha. And they didn't quite get it done, get their, their hearts ripped out. Maybe, you know, maybe this is the year. But I'm going to throw this out there, too. Uh, if we're looking for a deeper sleeper, since we're on this discussion, um, I, I really, you know, I think I talked about Dallas Baptist last week. I don't know if I did or not, but I really am intrigued by them. For not a team that's currently not in the top 25, but is, you know, in knocking on the door for our rankings. Um, a team that we had 
a little bit lower expectations for than usual this year. You know, I don't think we picked them to win Conference USA. Um, I think we had them in a regional, but maybe not. I mean, it was it's kind of a borderline regional team heading into the year. They had some questions to answer, but this feels like a vintage DBU pitching staff, and maybe it's not a vintage DBU offense. Uh, but if they're pitching well uh, when it matters most, I think they've got the arms to do it. Like, like kind of like Campbell, I think. That's a team that, that has the real the real depth. They've got a great bullpen and, and a few, you know, and they've got three guys in, in the rotation that I think they feel pretty good about too, like talented power arms. And so um, that's another one just to keep an eye on. I'm, I'm, I'm confident saying this is this year one of those teams is going to get it done, Runes. I think we're doing Yeah, and it goes without saying East Carolina will be in that mix too. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know, they're, I know their offense isn't quite what it was last year, but, you know, Trigia Savage is, is – awesome on Fridays. I loved him over the weekend and, they, and they've got four or five, six options on the bullpen. They can run with that are really good. So, yep. I'm Another with you guys. I'm, I'm going the, I'm going the over too, because the teams you guys just mentioned, like we've got a lot of non-power four teams that have been in a bunch of regionals. Like those players will not be spooked by a regional. I, I, and I also think this is a naive thought, but I'm going to share it. I think there's a lot of P4 teams that are vulnerable this year. Like I just, I don't see a lot of these power four teams that are just clicking and mauling people. I just see a lot of volatility in these teams. They're up, yeah. they're down, they're all over the place. Uh, I don't know. I'll say this. If if I am someone and, you know, I praise Wake Forest so much, I'm just going to go ahead and say this. If I'm somebody like Wake Forest, I do not want someone like UConn or East Carolina in my regional. Heck no. I, you know, they're oh. just so battle tested, right? Like they've been through everything. They know how to, they'll know how to handle a tight situation. So, like, if I'm a team like that who all of a sudden everybody just thinks I'm just going to bomb every, you know, blow everybody out, like, I do not want one of those two teams mm-hmm. on regional. Yeah, well, and I also like, don't want the Harlem Hellfighters showing up in my regional true. either. Yeah, Coach Mintz. That goes without saying. Talk about battle-tested. What were you going to say, Aaron? Oh, go ahead. I mean, it, it, I would just say it does feel like, like, East Carolina, like, if they wind up on the road to regional, like – that maybe that's what they need. Like as good as they are at home, as much as they love their home field advantage, like that's I could tough. see them, I could see them going on the road and just being like, you know, coming in there with swagger, like, you know, screw everybody and just like taking it yeah. home, man. Like I could see it. Like sometimes, you know, that's, sometimes that's easier to do it on the road. You don't have the kind of the weight of everybody bearing down on you and everybody who's, you know, wanted this for 40 years, you know, like we got to get to Omaha, we got to get to Omaha, you know, maybe, maybe that's how it happens. Maybe they have to, they have to go through a, a place like Wake Forest or, or something to do it. Virginia or South Carolina, yeah. like all those are, you know, especially Virginia, South Carolina, it looks like a, like a perfect opportunity for them to go on the road to one of those places and win that thing. I do think it's a mixed message, though, when you walk into the yard with a big swagger and chip on your shoulder and you're wearing lavender. It just feels <laughs> just doesn't doesn't feel as angry the, as is what you're projecting. The, the powder. There. Have you seen the? I'm sure you have seen the powder uh, or the powder yeah. purples. They call I, them. I, I appreciate yeah. the effort. Like I'm all for sticking your neck out uniform wise. And, and those are there. I, I, I dig them, but they don't scream chip on your shoulder. They don't the scream world. Cliff Godwin. That's for sure. <laughs> they, are, they are downright lavender, like lavender, lavender capital yeah. L, lavender caps lock. Oh my gosh! I was, I was actually disappointed in CG at U of H over the weekend. He's very laid back. What's up with that? Yeah, maybe that's the maybe that's the uh, it's the new, it's the new way. That's the that's how so. you get that's how you get there. So, uh, boys, so let's wrap it there. I, I want to say to the listeners, this is an awesome time to get a subscription to d1baseball.com and SEC Extra, I want to share with you why. So, for instance, I wrote 
the D1 Digest Friday evening where, you know, we, we, we get you up to speed. You wake up Saturday morning, you get a cup of your favorite coffee and you dive into the website and you, you just let me let me talk to you. Let me have coffee with you on Saturday morning and break it down for you. And then coffee the great talk with Coach Rooney. Yes, coffee Fireside talk. Chats. Yeah. Get yourself a Wawa coffee and let's get after it. Let's start our day properly. And then Stitch kind of went up to me because he like he's the D1 Digest, like the Stitch way or Sorensen says or something like that. Uh, and I didn't even know I could interject my, my, my last name into the D1 Digest headline. And then he referred to old man weather as a repugnant jerk, which is even better. I, I love that phrase. Um, but you also get vocabulary like the great Joe Healy and the uh, what's it called? The weekend dish that you guys do the kind of journal uh, coach Healy. Yeah. So we've got the, the extra bases blog that runs all weekend. Ooh, Mark that. does the weekend dish at the end of the weekend. That's a, a Mark Etheridge joint at the end of the weekend. Gotcha. So the bases load is where I could get terms like elixir, like you just dropped on us Ooh. a few minutes ago. Oh, how good is that? The, yeah. the good thing about stitch is the only person I have to edit where it's like, okay, I got to get up very early in the morning to make sure there's not something in there. that's going to make somebody really mad. <laughs> he's not afraid of a good cuss word but I, and i i will also say that shotgun spratling didn't he's a great writer shotgun is a sneaky awesome writer really uh capital j journalist and he did yeah. that story on northeastern which was just yeah. phenomenal and his so, photos are awesome too yes yeah. no offense aaron but his photos are better oh, for, hey well i mean he invested in a freaking uh top of the line <laughs> camera they better be better he bought it from nasa <laughs> so oh very good gentlemen well well done good to see you uh tune in for the preview this week we will definitely do that again that was fun last week well with the great steven shock always a good time with him uh that's it have a great week everybody we'll catch you next time on the d1 baseball podcast the living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories but your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them the new life resistant high performance furniture collection from ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.